Hey folks, it's Jeff Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency and you are listening to my podcast called Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. All right, crowd funders, how is everybody doing? It is Monday. This is episode 61. Yeah, yeah, we're cruising along here. So should I tell you what's coming up on today's episode? Do you guys want to know? I can't hear you. Oh, I don't have my sound effects. I should I should have the sound effects going. So coming up on today's episode um, is Gary Petrie. I think I said his name correctly. I probably just mispronounced it. Let's double check again. Gary Petrie, I think it is. P-A-I-T-R-E. Gary Petrie. There it is. Uh, and he's from the uh, the board game Kiwitin. And uh, I actually just got done talking to him probably five minutes ago. Maybe even less than that. I'm waiting on the files to come to me from Zencaster. There's a shout out for Zencaster. Um, so yeah, just really, really great conversation about his board game. Um, and this is my first game that I think I've talked to where there was a bit of a kid focus to it. And if you if you check out the campaign, I think you dig it because it, it, it and, and if you have kids, because I think it's something that if you know they're five and older, and it would be a great thing to do on a Friday night with a, uh, uh, you know, with, with with your family sitting around and playing the game. So, um, so that conversation is coming up a little bit later. So, how, how's everybody's weekend been? Huh? It's Monday, you know. Everybody's looking at at the at you know the end of January. We're moving into February. If you're in Detroit, you're getting more gray days. Supposedly. I heard a rumor that we're going to have some sun in, in Detroit. Yeah, seriously, like maybe like a few hours of it. Uh, probably not yet. You know, you know, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hold my breath for it, but it could happen. Yeah. These are just those dark, dreary days. So I've really been thinking about something. I, I, uh, I applied for a job in Greece. That's right. A growth hacking marketing type of position in Greece probably not going to get it because I talked about it last time. And why am I even doing, why, why am I, at, you know, because if I find interesting positions or jobs, I, I throw it out there, you know, why not? See what happens. You know, the position says I could work from home, but that's my first attempt at thinking about getting the F out of you nowhere because what I see going on is not what I signed up for. This world is a big place and I only officially moved about an hour from my, my parents' house. There's a lot of world I want to see. Now, the trick here is that how do you do that with the kids, right? That's, that's the trick. How do you, you know, how do you go out and, and uproot the kids? And I had this fantasy all weekend in terms of like, you know what I should do? Airbnb, homeschool the kids, even though I know that's a disaster because I'm not a smart man at all. If you guys hear the way I talk, sometimes I say some stupid stuff. Um, but what if we just went and saw the world? What if, you know, again, for me, I need some internet connection. You know, I need connect. I need some time and internet. That's how I mostly work. Um, very rarely do I need to be physically somewhere. Uh, my wife, on the other hand, needs to needs to go to an office, but you know, she's in the insurance business. So what if, you know, what if I don't want to be a gypsy? I don't know. 
I don't, what is that like? I maybe I got to talk to somebody who could maybe live that lifestyle before I decide to uproot my family. And mind you, I'm probably in fantasy land right now. It would be very challenging to move um, for a number of reasons. Number one, school district, school. My kids are in school. We've got great, great neighbors and, and family friends. Um, you know, my roots are pretty deep right now uh, in, a, in, a, in a town called Farmington, Michigan. So, what, but, but what if, you know, what if? How about that dream? That's what I'm thinking about, you know? That's what I'm thinking about. What would it look like? Maybe that get an RV, just drive from Michigan to, and you know what? We're going to stop. Hey, guys, we're stopping in, uh, we're stopping in Iowa. We're going to be here for a few months. We're going to see what happens. We're going to see the countryside. Oh, guys, what, guys? We're, we're, we're all going to Iceland. We're going to go to Iceland for a few months. We're going to hang out there. We're going to Airbnb it. Is that possible? I don't think my wife could handle it. I know. I don't know if any of us can handle it. I'm not going to single her out. I just know that she would be super, super stressed about this. But that's an idea. You know, that's an idea floating around. Probably not going to happen. But, but you never know. So, what a weekend, huh? What a weekend. It's hard not to talk about the politics stuff because it seems like there's a lot of stupid shit that happened this weekend. Uh, I'm really glad I'm not flying or needing to use an airport anytime soon because it seems like that's a mess. Thank you, certain somebody out there. But yeah, had a pretty good weekend doing the live sound. I got to actually got to go up to a different different facility to work out of, uh, a bigger one. But man, it was great working out a really well tuned PA system. Uh, definitely got my uh, it definitely blew my skirt up this weekend. Uh, I had a really nice time mixing and and making it sound good. Um, band was great. Everything was tight. It was just a very cool weekend. Uh, man, I, I love getting into live sound. Man, I, I think. I, you know, outside of crowdfunding, that might be the second thing I'm into. I, I, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying that experience of, of watching a crowd interacting, um, you know, problem solving, making it sound good, really just trying to, 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 to make that energy in a room just pop, you know. Um, and I got to do that this weekend, so that was exciting, exciting stuff here. So it's almost tax season, so I've got to... That's my other big to-do today. I don't know if you guys are out there getting that stuff ready to go, but I've got to, I've got to do a bunch of adding and subtracting and putting paperwork together with... with um, uh, I almost call them clothespins. They're not clothespins. What are they called? You know, the little metal thing that... Paper clips. Thank you. Thank you. Paper clips. That's a pretty big thing today. Man, I got to tell you, I, I don't have much today on this Monday. It's early, and... uh you know, just don't have much. Just, just trying to find that energy, trying to fight through the gray, trying to be excited and super happy for the world. But that's where my head is. So let's go ahead, instead of, instead of me rambling and wasting time, let's go ahead and get into my conversation. A couple things I need you guys to do, though, before we do this, and we talk about this almost every episode, I need you to sign up, sign up for our community. Right, if you're if you're into uh, crowdfunding, you're into marketing, you're into social media, you know, you want to grow a business, you're a small business owner, sign up for our Slack channel. I can't stress it enough, man. Tons of great conversation going on in there, and you guys are missing it if you're not in there. Um, so sign up for that. You can go to the website, click on join our community, and boom, knock out a couple steps, and you're in. Second thing, if you like the podcast, make sure you're sharing it with a friend. Go tell somebody to check it out. Share it. 
Retweet it. Put it in the social media landscape. Send it out and let three people see it. All of it helps. Um, so to do that, if you're enjoying the conversations. And uh, yeah. All right. January is ending. It is. It is. Already got a month in, basically. Woo. All right. Let's go ahead and kick into my conversation with Gary about his very successful uh, um, his very successful Kickstarter campaign, Kiwi Tin. All right, here's my conversation. I'll take my time with Justin's right. This interview in the air tonight. I'm gonna move in slow-mo. Take it so slow. All right, Gary, I got the record light on. How are you? I'm good. What about you? Ah, I'm doing all right. You know, it's Monday, so uh, like we were just talking a little bit ago, I mean, you got a lot of to-dos today, a lot of to-dos, so I appreciate you taking some time out of your day to talk about your uh, successful Kickstarter campaign. Thank you. So why, why don't we start with uh, you telling my listeners a little bit about uh, what your game is. Um, our game is called Kiwetin. Kiwetin means uh, uh, wind from the north in the Indian language. It's a kind of... Um, uh, a tribute to uh, the land of Canada, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, Kiwetin is a board game, a family board game, fast-paced board game. Uh, it's a race. We wanted to create, like, you know, to reinterpret the, uh, the the racing games, something very simple, a role to, to move, a gameplay with a little um, um, strategic aspect to it, with the rune cards that players can play uh, during the each each game Interesting. So uh, kind of a filler you know cool so uh, you know what makes a fast-paced board game compared to another board game i mean what are there any parameters around that uh sure it's the um the fact that each game lasts under 15 minutes and when you're oh, wow two players it's about five minutes so it's really really fast and the idea behind it is you know because you're um it's kind of a random, you know, you roll the dice, so you're not 100% in control of your destiny. Uh, the idea of having a fast game makes you replay and replay just to, to make your, um, to have the chance to, to win a game and, you know, have fun, something like that. Gotcha. So so the idea is that you you still play for like an hour or so, but you would just play multiple, you know, ver- different types or versions of the game. I mean, you just keep playing and playing and playing, correct? Exactly, exactly. Gotcha. Well, where did this idea come from? I mean, are, uh, do you have you made a lot of board games, or is this your first one? So, Kiwitin is our first board game, but my partner and I, Thomas, uh, he's my best friend since we we're 15. So, we played a lot of games. We played a lot of video games, RPGs. Uh, and, you know, we wanted to have enough uh, experience in our own um, uh, professional activity. I'm an art director for... Uh, you know, communication stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's working more on the um, sales aspect. He works for uh, Intel. And, you know, we, we were mature at some point to create something together. You know, we, we played a lot and it was a time to create something and it came quite fast, actually. Thomas had the idea of, you know, uh, doing a race game, something simple. And I, I came with all the the visual and creative aspect, like the the characters, the forest, and all the uh, the graphical aspect and conceptual aspect of it. So it was a great match. And now it's really cool because I'm more on the creative side, more about the communication side, and he takes care of the ops. So he found the uh, the distributor, he found the the manufacturer, and stuff like that. That's cool. I, I, I gotta say, so you handled the artwork on this. 
uh, oh, I, I created the, all the concepts, all the art direction globally, mm-hmm. all the graphic design. But the illustration themselves has been made by a girl, an amazing uh, artist called Nathalie Dombois. She lives in, um, she's Dutch. Okay. She's German, German. German, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, that, that was one of the things that stuck out to me when I wanted to reach out because I was like, man, it's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful looking game, you know? And I, I know if my listeners out there can't see it because we're in podcast land, but I definitely recommend checking it out on the Kickstarter and, and go to the website and stuff because it just, it looks beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. So, so, you know, so as this kind of idea was coming up and obviously on the, like the race styling, race style games, you know, but where was the idea though, in terms of like, you know, uh, I think this would work or, or was there any sort of prototypes that happened or, or, or walk me through how you kind of started to realize like, all right, this is, this is the vision I see for the game. Yeah. The, um, the first version of the game was obviously papers on the table. So we wanted to create a mechanic that was, you know, fun enough. Uh, fast enough and you know easy enough to produce and in the end we we had more problems to solve than the actual uh, initial version um, so we started with like a yeah, like paper and then it moves up to like a, a wooden uh, version of the game and um, you know we we wanted to make something like give the the illusion that the forest is quite long so that's why the, the board is 27 inch long mm-hmm. folded in three points so it's like all these little spirits move into a forest helped by the winds. Uh, we thought this concept would be like fun enough for young adults to play, but also for kids, because in the end, kids really enjoy playing the game too. They're sensible to this kind of uh, universe and graphics somehow. And um, we kept that in mind during all of our creative process. So we wanted a mechanic that is really easy to learn. I mean, you need just five minutes and then you don't even need the rules to, to continue playing. So that was, that's what we kept in mind all along the, the creative process. That, that's cool. Uh, yeah, it's very cool. I, I'm, I'm looking at this and, and, and one of the reasons thing, I, I think you're going to get me as a backer. I have a, I have a six-year-old son oh. and I know you say seven plus, but uh, you know, he's, he's pretty mature, but I think he would be really into this game. How do you see, um, you know, making a game, or what might be different from making a game, you know, with kids in mind as opposed to just adults? I mean, what, you know, what's kind of behind the scenes or the conversations that you guys have when you're when you're designing a game like this? I'm a father of a three years old daughter, so okay. of course, my mind now thinks half as a parent, half as a as the creative I am in my my day to day. So, of course, there's a because I, 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 I think like a parent today, having in mind the, how a kid could react to what I'm creating is always there. But when it's time to work with my friend on a game, because we were gamers first, um, it's kind of, um, you know, we wanted to simplify, make something simple, um, but not too simplistic. You know what I mean? So it's, Sure, yeah. Um, something that is easy to learn, easy to play, and we don't we don't have the, the pretension to create something that is as complex as Zombicide, for example. You know, mm-hmm. we are huge players of Zombicide, and we really enjoy the game, but we are not competing with them. We know we're just creating like this little game that kids could play for you know for a long time, and that adults will play a couple of times, you know, because they just want to. Like play something very very uh, simple and okay we we do two two or three games and 
then we can play like a, st a stronger game. So that's how we we we, we worked on uh, creating Kiwetin. Did you test it all with uh, uh, with kids? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we tested it with, with kids, and there's a funny story with the um, an interviewer from uh, Geek Dad. Uh, we sent a prototype to them, and we didn't know that this uh, this guy had kids, and uh, we had like um, an agreement that they send the prototype box to a giveaway contest. Mm -hmm. And he wrote, he tested the game, and he wrote us back uh, like a week after he received the prototype, saying, "I'm sorry, guys, we cannot." Uh, have your prototype as a giveaway. My kids stole the game. They kept <laughs> them, kept it for themselves. So can we find another agreement? And we're like, wow, that's a great story, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, and we, of course, we tested with a couple of kids in our, uh, with our friends uh, who mm -hmm. can play the game. I mean, the game, the, the game could be played by kids around five when there's adults with them. Right. They can play it on their own when there's around seven, you know? That's cool. That's that. That's really great. Yeah, I, I think you're the first person I've I've talked to in terms of doing like a game for an interview where where kids were really in mind. Uh, I have I, yeah. It, it's it's intriguing. I haven't had. I mean, I guess kids at that age. I, I think you know. Obviously, we've had maybe you know 15 and older or something like that might be able to do it. But but yeah, very very interesting. So so where did you grow up? Oh, so I'm. I have uh, three nationalities. I was born in the U.S. Uh, I left. Uh, I know my accent me, uh, sounds really French, but I have the explanation for that. So I was <laughs> in the U.S. Um, my mother uh, went back to France uh, when I was four, so I spent 15 years in France, and now I've been living in Canada since 15 years too. Oh wow! Nice, nice. Um, so, what did your parents do? Oh, my mom was. She worked at Disneyland. Uh, she worked as a, like the secretary of uh, the, the you know, like the the CEO of Disneyland Paris. Okay. And my dad uh, was uh, uh, what he did so much things I don't I don't even remember. But he worked for like uh, big uh, big companies as a seller a salesman and okay. different jobs. So, so you know, sounds like when you you met Thomas, you were playing games. I mean, was gaming a part of your upbringing? Um, you know, when you were a kid, kind of growing up. Not at all, <laughs> not at all. Because you so know, my, my mother and father divorced really when I was really really young. Uh -huh. My mom was a really hard worker, so you know, I I learned gaming with friends instead of it. It, it was not a family thing. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, what, what do you remember? Like, what was that first game that you uh, that you jumped into, where you where you know it got the hooks in you, where you're like, this this is pretty cool. I like this. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, on the video game, I remember playing Zelda Two on the NES, mm -hmm. which was one of the hardest game I ever played. Um, the first board game I played, I think it's it. Oh, God, I think it's really. Um, uh, like classic, I, I guess it's Monopoly or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, you know it is. Really well, that's cool. Uh, what's the you know? It, so you're in Montreal right now, correct? Yep. So what's the gaming like? What's the community of gaming like there? Uh, is it supportive? Is there a, a strong community? Is there game nights? Well, you know, what, what does it look like there? Yeah, actually, Montreal is a really nice place for for gamers and for board gamers as well because. Montreal is one of the major city in ga video games industry. There's mm, a Ubisoft, really? there's a like um, ADOS, major major uh, 
developers here in Montreal, but in the um, board game industry, there's also like major shops, and we went to to we went there to test our game and have feedback. And it's also because of that that we added like a, a strategic value to the game. You know, at the very very first stage of the game, there was no uh, action cards. It was just like a roll to move uh, game, and you know they came with this idea of you should have more strategic things. So they're really uh, hel- they, they were really helpful in our creative process. So yeah, the community in Montreal is is really strong. There's like bars where you can drink and eat and play games as well. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I think I've been hearing that. I mean, more and more from from the international conversations I've been having, it seems like the communities are a bit stronger than here in America, and and, and I think I, I, I'm intrigued by that. I don't know why, you know. And obviously, my sample size is, you know, fairly deep right now in these conversations. But uh, every, yeah, everybody I've talked to, Germany or Denmark or wherever it is, it's just like, yeah, no, we go to the bar, we drink beer, we play games for yeah, yeah. four or five hours. <laughs> and I, everybody I talk to here, it's like, no, we, you know, we get together at a house or something, or it's 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 smaller. So it's, it, it, that's intriguing to me. Um, so, you know, so how did you, let, let's flip a little bit over to the actual Kickstarter. So, I mean, you know, that's, that's why we're talking. You've got a successful campaign going on with obviously a couple more weeks to go here and, and, and you have a ton of backers, you know, 765 backers as of this moment. Um, you know, how did you decide to, to go to Kickstarter for, to, to launch this game? Uh, there's a couple of reasons. Actually, there's two major reasons. The first one obviously is the uh, game, um, the gaming in Kickstarter works kind of well, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. There's like things that works really badly on Kickstarter, like apps, for example. Yep. Um, but games works really well, so uh, it was a great place to launch our project and sell our our game. Of, of course, we we're not lying on on this part. But the second thing that was as as important to us was the feedback from from backers, and it's amazing how many emails, how many messages we receive from all our backers or people who want to back the game or who don't want to back it at all, and give their their comments about it. And there's actually things that we're gonna change on the game and on the goodies we're gonna propose or options that we're gonna propose in the the few days to come. Because of people's reaction, and that's really, really cool. Because now, mm-hmm. when we will um, send the games to these backers, we will also try to get their feedback on how did they receive the game, how uh, what they think about it. Is it, you know, just have feedback about it? Because when you sell something in a shop on a store, you don't have this feedback directly. You yep. have to talk to the seller and stuff like that. So it's about being really close to. To, to our uh, our consumers. Yeah, you're preaching to the choir on that. I think that's the 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 benefit where I tell every small business or or almost every idea that that you know Kickstarter should be in your in your conversations, mm-hmm. not an app or something like that, but but for games or all this sort of stuff where it's like you get so much valuable information from the community mm-hmm. that it'll make your project stronger. And if if you can open yourself up to that, you know, where some people are just like, no, 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 I'm the expert. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. It's like open yourself up because you're going to get somebody that just tells you something that's going to just blow your mind and be like, yeah, why are we not doing that? You know, it's, it's, I think it too, it's like for project creators or, or you, you get so into, you know, it's your world. You're in your bubble. You think about it every moment. And sometimes you miss those like glaring things of like, yeah, we should have just made it this way, you know? Exactly. Yeah. That's great. You know, so 
I mean, how have you always been that comfortable with kind of being open to feedback and 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 the community kind of guiding, or is it something that that maybe you had to learn a little bit? Um, guided by the community, it's the first time because you know it's the first campaign we launched on Kickstarter. It's the first time I've been doing that, so our, our, my um, progression uh, uh, is like from zero to hundred mm-hmm. in a couple of days. So I have to learn a lot. But on the um, getting feedback from people, I'm really used to it because I worked a long time for uh, marketing and uh, advertising agencies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I received a hundred times, make your logo bigger and, you know, I want to see my message big in the center of, you know, I'm used to create nice things and being destroyed by clients. <laughs> so, you know, I'm used to it. So now I'm getting real feedback of people who want to have something uh, they think better for the game. You know, we receive a lot of you know, comments that we will not, you know, consider because it's sure. so far from what we want to create. But ninety percent of what we receive is so, so great. So no, I'm I'm really comfortable with that. That's cool. What was so? Since this is your first campaign, what was your launch strategy? Did you do some pre-marketing? What, you know, how, you know, how did you, how did you get to the point where you're funded already? Oh, so we did uh, the the usual mistake of first campaign. We paid for like a uh, hundred bucks or something, like Facebook ads. So if someone hears that, never do Facebook ads for your Kickstarter campaign uh, for gaming. I mean, for gaming, it's it's really awful. We didn't even had one click through this campaign. Wow. Um, the marketing strategy we did not. It's the only advertisement that we 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 made on Facebook, and we will never do it again. Um, so we didn't pay for advertisement, but we contacted a lot of reviewers. Um, we had about uh, we contacted about fifteen reviewers, and we could have six uh, on uh, right on schedule for the launch. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how did you how did you find those type of reviewers? Did you I mean did you just know that they play this style of game, or was there a certain type of reviewer you were looking for? Yeah, there's a couple that we already, that, I mean, that I already followed on their Twitter or their website, like GeekDad, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's also new players in town who just contacted us, like Unfiltered Gamer. And, you know, they have this kind of great uh, way of working also. We wanted people to be objective. In the end, we don't want to pay for a review. We wanted to have, like, a, a review of what they really think about the game, which was really important to us. Um, so there's small uh, reviewers, there's big reviewers, and there's some that we knew, some that we had to learn, and we browsed the internet and we contacted other Kickstarters to have uh, their uh, uh, their cues on who to contact. You know, that's cool. So, and are you strong? I mean, are you in this community a lot? Of, you know, in terms of yourself personally? I mean. Um, you know, so that you, it was easier for you to reach out to some of these people? No, no, no. It was. I mean, I, I, when I browse, um, uh, most part of my week I work. I'm not 100% of my time on our company and our, on the game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I have to do my, my job, my day-to-day job. Um, and when I browse these kind of reviews, it's because I'm about to buy a game and I want to have their opinion or some, something. So it's not something right. that I daily browse. It's when I'm about to to have a, 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 purchase, a purchase action. So that's how I knew uh, those, those sites. But today, uh, because of the campaign and stuff, I'm, I subscribe to 
I mean, about 50 uh, gaming reviews and Kickstarter uh, help and stuff like that on Twitter. Right. So now my feed is uh, 80% uh, about gaming and Kickstarter success and stuff like that, did which you, I have to, to tweak in the, this, the weeks coming up. Right. So did you see, a, um, or, or right now in your, in your dashboard, do you see a certain platform that's, that's kind of driving, driving the traffic and the, and the backers right now? Kickstarter. We, so it, we, we read that Kickstarter drives a lot of traffic to the, uh, the, the creators. Uh, we did not expect that much. Actually, 66% of our uh, backers comes directly from uh, the, the, the Kickstarter platform itself. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and, and um, yeah, I've never heard it be that high. So that, that's, you know, because I, I see this so much, hearing that just tells me how good this game is and how good it looks because that's telling me that people are just seeing it and like I like that you know you don't have to touch them three or four times with a Facebook ad or Reddit ad a email you know you don't have to you're not pushing them as much so that that's that's awesome I mean that really is really great um so you know so how did you come up with the goal amount um to, to make this game happen was there any any thoughts or strategy around that yeah, uh, of course, we had a lot of discussion. We had a lot of, you know, we, we wanted the smallest price, the smallest uh, goal uh, to launch our campaign. And if we reached the, uh, the first initial goal, we would have to give about two or three grand to, um, uh, two or three thousand dollars to, to actually produce a game. And we were ready to do it because our first thinking was, okay, let's create a great game. Then, now that we're building stuff and the game works and it's been tested, we're about to launch it on Kickstarter, but the idea is, was to have a success on Kickstarter because Kickstarter is the first step. Mm-hmm. It's collect feedback, it's produce the molds and you know start the engine. But in the end, we want the game to be uh, sell on, on stores and you know worldwide if possible. Um, and we were ready to invest and, you know, Take money from my own for our, from our own uh, pockets to, to mm-hmm. pay the uh, the difference if the Kickstarter didn't work higher than what we expected. That's cool. You, you know, one of the other things I, I noticed on your campaign page that I thought was interesting in terms of board games is that you had no stretch goals. Uh, now, did you? Is that something that bothers you that you see in campaigns when they when they you know have all these expansion packs or they, they you just keep adding and adding and adding this stuff? Uh, what was your thoughts behind that? Yeah, it's a good question because we, we really talked a long time about it. Like, do we do stretch goals? Don't we do it? And there was something that bugs me a little at the beginning. Uh, when I check games on Kickstarter, there's some stretch goals that I find really, really interesting in a way. And there's other that I, 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 I feel very uncomfortable with that. So, for example, there's games where the stretch goal is proposed another another card like another action card another uh, character to deblock or something like that mm-hmm. which they actually have they already do did it they have it on their shelf and they don't want to distribute it until they get like uh, like tons yeah. of money i'm like yeah. okay guys you already have it give it right away why wait for but when it's time to have like a, another kind of box you know you go from a um, uh, a plastic box to a wooden box for example or whatever, you know, something that is a a good upgrade of the game, I think it's a great idea to have stretch goals. But when it's time to add, like, more details to the game, 
it's kind of you know disrespectful for buyers and that's why we didn't want to to do stretch goals at, at first glance and the other thing is how could you define how much your first game could could get you know so we we, we put a, a stretch goal at 10,000 for example mm-hmm. but then 20 who knows if we could go right. to, to 20,000 you know it was a bit of um, to um, yeah you know um, no, I, I get it. I, I see it all the time. I, I think that too sometimes. It's funny how that's what's in the back of my head sometimes where I'm like, exactly what you just said, where I'm like, well, you already made all this stuff. You already designed the game. Why? Don't you give it right? Right. Or it's, it's also like, all right, well, is the game not as good if you don't hit $300,000 or some whatever, you know? Exactly. Uh, you know, so, so the other thing that I, I think is always interesting, um, you know, and I think uh, people think about running a Kickstarter is, is shipping. And I, you know, it seems like you're gonna. This is a a worldwide product. You're getting it translated, if I'm not mistaken, right? I thought I, I read that somewhere, right? There's uh, two. Uh, the the game will will launch in two languages, French and English, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, at, at launch, and we'll have the rules translated in four languages. Uh, nice, maybe five at launch. So, so because of that, um, has there been? You know what's the mindset around? How do you advertise for different languages, and then also how do you then take into shipping uh, considerations at all for your game uh, when you're thinking about a global product? Yeah, the um, the global market. We're already speaking with um, distributors worldwide for the next step. So about distribution, we'll get their feedback on how to advertise well the the box itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're discussing with uh, people in uh, Auckland, New Zealand, and you know they give us their their feedback on how we should package it, and we'll do the same for major regions uh, in, in the world. But for the Kickstarter and shipping, we have the we're lucky because the manufacturer in in China, unfortunately, it's in China, but you know it's hard to make games elsewhere. Oh yeah, yep. Um, is actually creating. Every piece of the game is built in his own manufactory, and he could uh, directly send it from China. So we avoid the two-step shipping. So you know, mm. send by boat in Canada and then ship to worldwide. So we skip one month of boat uh, transportation. So as soon as the molds are created, that's what we will do right after the end of the campaign on the seventeenth of February. Um, we we will uh, front the money because it takes two weeks to receive the money from Kickstarter. Right. To launch the mold fabrication uh, because we have to pay up front for this mold. It's really, really expensive. It's insane. And uh, so we skip two weeks of waiting as well. Uh, so that's why we, we're planning to send the games around mid-April, worst case scenario, uh, uh, early, uh, early May. And the manufacturer in in China will send directly to everybody in the world. That's awesome. That's that's a really really great turnaround turnaround time uh, for a board game. Sometimes I see these where it's you know eight months a year. Hey, we just you know we got to finish up a couple things here. It's like Ugh. I'll forget about it by you know <laughs> by, by the time it shows up. That's that's great. It's great that you that you put the homework in to to get that sort of stuff uh, all all ready to go uh, for your campaign. So, uh, you know, so obviously you're sitting with, with, you know, over a couple weeks to go. Um, what does a strategy look like right now to kind of keep the momentum going um, so that, you know, you don't hit that, that middle, uh, that trough of despair, we call it, in, in Kickstarter land where nothing happens for a couple weeks? How, how do you guys plan on attacking that? 
No, we hit it this uh, this uh, this part uh, like two days ago. We had a <laughs> big drop in sales, yeah. so we we're like, okay, my God, is it is everybody gonna cancel? You know the, how a mind could work. Huh? Is everybody gonna cancel their their backing and stuff like that? But actually, we're not too worried about it because. We will give more updates this week. Uh, I made an interview with the illustrator, uh, Nathalie. And, mm -hmm. you know, because at the beginning of the process, I really wanted to work with a, a female illustrator. We have, like, I think there's a, a lack of female thinking in gaming in general. There's, it, there's a lot of female gamers. There's more and more female gamers, but less and less female creators. So... Her point of view on how to how she created the, these characters, how she felt the game, the spirit of the game itself, was really important to me, and I will distribute it in the, the update section. I don't know if it will it will increase the sales, but it's just to make you know our our backers to 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 know how our creative process, and we will probably offer a couple of options. Like uh, it's not official, but we will. We probably uh, we need to have the final cost from my manufacturer, but uh, have the option to paint the characters because we receive a lot of messages from from backers saying, "Ah, oh, that's cool, but how come it's white white figurines?" And you know mm -hmm. because they're not used to like traditional miniature games, I guess um, they want their characters to be painted. So mm, we we'll probably offer this option. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, do you have any? Um uh, any press that you think might be dropping or anything like that? Or are you reaching out to press right now because of the campaign successful? We are uh, discussing with um, local press here in Montreal. We did not speak to press uh, elsewhere, but uh, we will probably do. It's not planned yet because, you know, we had so many things to do in uh, right. in the past days. But uh, yeah, for sure, we try to, to contact them in the next days and weeks. That's awesome. So, so let's go out a little bit further. Uh, you know, what is the goal behind the company? And 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 I don't know if this game turns into a series of games, or you know, what does the next five years look like? Oh, so <laughs> five years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Be awesome. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, what we think for the the actual year to come is try to distribute the game uh, and find the great greatest deal as possible. Because you know, in game industry. It's you know there's all these distributors that want to take your game uh, and sell sell it and you receive like uh, um, uh, warning messages from people oh, don't work with them because they're da 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 uh, don't work with those guys because they're na 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 so we're trying to find the best deal um, in our how it, the best fit actually uh, money wise but also um, Physique, um, um, culturally, you know, we have yep. a great fit between people, and it's kind of hard to be um, so we can live of creating games in about one year or two. So that that's the ultimate goal is for for uh, you and Tom's to, to to you know start doing gaming full time. Yeah, but the future of Kiwetin, uh, we have a couple of ideas of our next steps. Um, for example, I can give you an example. We are thinking about creating a, a tablet game, like a, an iOS game. Oh, nice. But, cool. you know, how many money does it cost? And yeah. So w w the first thing is try to find the great, the greatest people we could work with, like programmers and other talents that would want to uh, create something together. So that's what we're trying to do in the 
this year and uh, the years to come. That's awesome. Let's keep, uh, sorry, keep um, board games on one on one hand, and maybe go for digital as well. That's really cool. That's intriguing. I, I, you know, it's funny you say that, but just kind of looking at some of the artwork and stuff and, and the way the game's laid out, I could see this as like, a, you know, something my son's playing on his iPad, you know, mm-hmm. my son or daughter's playing on an iPad. I could definitely see that. So it's, it's intriguing. That's where your head's going. It's really great. Yeah, well, cool, Gary. Well, I appreciate you taking some time out of your Monday. I know Mondays are busy and, and you've probably got, you know, hundreds of comments to, uh, to respond to and emails uh, that are blowing up. But, um, but I appreciate you taking some time and talking about the game. And uh, I wish you a lot of luck. It's a really, really cool looking product. And uh, I think you got me as a backer. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. All right, how about that conversation with Gary? A lot of cool stuff in there. He's got a great story. Uh, Montreal sounds like a cool place to go play board games. So if you guys are board gamers, look at that. Go look at that town. Go hang out there. Maybe you guys got to travel there. I don't know. Figure it out, you know? So yeah, the song we're we're listening to is a song called Take a Break. And uh, this is an early track that I I wrote with uh, Jake. And we uh, had a female singer named Brandy Sweat on it. Thank you, Brandy, for laying down those vocals. And uh, yeah, you can actually listen to this song on Spotify because this one, this song appeared on our uh, the Sugar People album, two thousand eight. Prior to that, it wasn't released. It was back in the back in the day. Of, this is probably two thousand one ish or so. Yeah, two thousand two thousand one. Um, so hope you guys enjoy it, and I'll talk to you all on Thursday. Out our arms and legs. If you're feeling.
feeling down. I don't want your friends around. Get up from your rug, get you feeling well enough. Move off that seat and on your feet to get down. Oh yeah, it's easy to get lost and find my way. It may be dark and black as night. If the party's hot, you'll be alright. 'Cause flames keep lighting, you're still sizzling.